You know, one thing that we should talk about today is glasses, because Rosa isn't wearing her glasses today, but Dr. Carey has some fabulous blue and white textured or patterned glasses, and it puts the rest of us to shame. And every time I've seen you, you have a different pair. This is true. I have like six pairs. And where do you get them? I ordered them online. They were like pandemic purchases. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, you sitting in the house, it was just like, well, let me update my eyewear. Do you need them or is just pure aesthetics? They're all prescription. Yes, I'm blind as a bat. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to look good while I can't see. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Don't do what I did today. There was somebody who came to my house to actually show something to me and they were bringing papers and we were masked up and everything and we were in the living room and it's these two super well put together women and they're like showing me these papers and these papers and these papers and I say, Grace, I say, thank you so very much. I'll come back to you next week uh, when I have my glasses and I can see what you just presented. <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> they were looking at me. Oh. <laughs> they were like still into it. And I said, do I tell them I can't see? <laughs> so I let them, let them go. Been there, done that. They are prescriptions. So if I take them off, we in trouble. First, I want to welcome everyone to the What Rules podcast, where we outsmart the game to advance our career. We're here highlighting multicultural women, women of color, helping them to advance in the workplace. My name is Elisa Monjadas. I'm an executive coach and a vision producer at The Happy Cactus. And why don't I hand it over to Miradi? Who are you? Hello, everybody. Dr. Merari Simeon, and I am an activator of talent, creating a world where multicultural women in position of power is the norm. Awesome. Rosa. I subscribe to that. <laughs> <laughs> but my new title, my newer title that I just loved that somebody gave me to me the other day is Chief Possibility Officer. So that's how I am. There you go. <laughs> now, we have a special <laughs> guest today, Dr. Carrie Yazid. For you, Dr. Carey, I would love to hear not just your title, but tell us a little bit about the many hats that you wear as a person. Today, my new title became I am the fire starter. I'm a troublemaker in a good way. Yes. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Mm, that's a new one. Many hats that I wear. Wow. Uh, diversity professional, adjunct professor mom of two young adult sons, and then mom of three furry friends that we had to lock out the room for this, so they're not happy with me. Activist, soap maker, and avid crock pot cooker. Wow. We could have a whole podcast on that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Soap maker. Yes, we can have a whole other episode on that. I yes, want it. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Because, okay. I think that you know, you say crockpot, and I feel hungry, first of all. <laughs> but, like, what's your crockpot specialty? It's a good thing, Alisa, you didn't say, what is that? Because I've had people <laughs> saying something like, what? what? Excuse me? <laughs> you can tell they're from another generation. <laughs> I have, I've done, I've done beef stew, 
but I've actually did an entire pot roast at once. So, and Dr. Carey, where are you from? South Louisiana. So I'm 60 miles outside of New Orleans and 30 miles from the state capital of Louisiana, which is Baton Rouge. How cool. I just like get excited hearing your your voice because you're this, I mean, people don't know, and I didn't find this out until you told me when we first met that you're very small in stature, but you have this like ginormous troublemaking fire starting personality. Yes, yes. I don't know. I think people think I'm this tall, model-built woman, and I'm actually short, five two and a half. So you have to give me my half. Um, <laughs> and I'm not a big person. So when people meet me, that's usually what I get. Is like you're short. That's lovely when people, you know, you tell you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know what. What am I supposed to say? You were expecting what? Like, it's me. <laughs> just not tall. <laughs> it's super interesting how the expectations that others have of of us, the ideas that they form of ourselves, right? And then it's a bit like a bit of a jolt if you don't conform to the idea that they've made up of yourself in their minds, right? That happens. So often. We're all nodding um, our heads. <laughs> yes, I, I have to agree with that. Yes, yes. All right. Speaking of fire starters, how this started was a Twitter conversation, a long Twitter thread that Dr. Carey wrote about Brene Brown. And that spurred on a blog post called The Dangers of Courage Culture and Why Brene Brown Isn't for Black Folk. She writes this article. It blows up. Rosa sends it to me and Medati. And we're like, yes, why aren't more people talking about this? Fast forward to today, Dr. Carey, you are here living and breathing so we can hear it straight from you. Welcome again. Thank you. Thank you. And to give credit where it's due, the Twitter thread was not mine. I was just an avid participant. And then the starter kind of moved out and I was like left in this thread that I didn't start. And I was like, this seems like a conversation we need to continue. And so I just took my thoughts and put them in a blog post that I thought no one would read. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were so intrigued because one of the things, I think it was the episode before we were talking about it, we were having a conversation. We were like, that's the whole point that we've been talking about on our podcast is that the rules that society or other women have put out there do not apply to women of color. So when we read your article, we're like, yes, that's it. That's what we've been trying to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely agree. It's just that everyone has their own perspective. And so when I wrote the article, I was pleasantly surprised that it was well-received and a lot of people had the same reaction. Like, that's why it didn't resonate with me. And, and a lot of women were blaming themselves that it was just like, I felt that I'm trying to apply these things that she's writing about and it's just not working for me. So I must be a bad person. I must be doing something wrong. And these were women of color, not taking into consideration, well, boo, she wasn't writing about you. That's the bottom line. It's not going to apply to your life, your situation, who you are as a woman, because she wasn't writing for you. She was writing for someone totally different. And so, and I just kind of 
revealed that mystic, I guess, that had been hanging over their heads and took away that shame, I think, for some people that I don't think Brene Brown realizes that some of her work has created that for some women of color because they couldn't find themselves in her work or they couldn't make her work work for them. But it is so powerful what you're saying. And I think that's exactly the essence of why we started this forum and this podcast, because a lot of those writings, however you call those writings, really have not applied for women of color. And unpacking what that means and really taking it to a completely different experience, which then when you start having these conversations, you realize there's more of you who actually are facing the same kind of challenges and are trying to break through molds that for some, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just these other three things that you have to do. And then you try to do them. It's like, well, they're not working for me because I am not being listened to. And even opening that up, even for colleagues, and friends of ours whose experiences have been so different. And it was nice to see in your article and then in your comments how some women, this was a true awakening for them as well in terms of like looking from a different glass or lens that they hadn't even considered before. Because of course, you're my friend. I see you as my friend. And we're going through all this at the same time. And you go, mm-mm-mm. Let me open up the hood here a little bit and let me just show you what happens and what that hardware is. And you did such a good job in really distilling it in such good terms. And also, and I love because you said the Kool-Aid, right? We need Kool-Aids. So people gravitate to something that's like, okay, I got it. And then that disappointment that you describe is real. It really is real. It's very real. And I didn't think it was going to go viral. So like I said, I wrote it, then was just like, only three people are probably going to read this because you're talking about Brene Brown, girlfriend. So this is not going to go anywhere, but I'm going to put it out in the universe. So I hit, you know, publish. I published it on LinkedIn. But I think for a lot of women, it was seeing other women in the comments, like agreeing and sharing their frustrations, that it wasn't just me saying it, but they were being validated by each other. And I was just like, whoa, like didn't realize I was going to create that type of effect too. But I'm kind of glad that I went ahead and did this. On one hand, I'm very happy with the results that it is getting as far as like women really starting to think outside the box having these conversations of what works for them culturally, what doesn't work for them, and to be okay with that. But I did receive, like, a lot of backlash, too. Let me read what you wrote on LinkedIn to introduce the article. You said, White middle-class women are protected and allowed to be courageous, while Black and brown women are not afforded that same space, cover, and protection. Like, that's a pretty powerful sentence right there. I read your article, and right now, as Alisa read the title, I still got the chills. And that's because of the words covered and protected. I think there's so many of us that can relate to walking in a room and feeling, you know, almost naked, right? Like you're not covered and you're not protected. That resonated with me. Number one, that made me read their article. But then as Alisa said it right now, I got the chills again. And I'm just like, wow. And that's because so many of us, 
experience this on a daily basis. You've been feeling like this your entire life. So for us, it's different because this is who we are. Like when we were born, parents started to prepare us for what the world was going to be like, the challenges that we would face. Like we were groomed, but we were groomed to keep your armor up, When it gets real touchy, you don't lean in, you lean out, you don't get confrontational because when you get confrontational, you're viewed a lot different. You get taken out. Let's just keep it real. If I take off my armor and I go in and I say, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be courageous and I'm at work, I am going to immediately become a threat. I'm going to be seen as assertive. I'm going to be the angry black woman. I am going to be escorted to HR, given a pink slip and a severance package, and then escorted out the door. And so that's not me doing research on veterans because as I tell people, if you go down a Brene Brown rabbit hole, her background is veterans. So that's where her where she says all of her research is on vulnerability and courageousness and courage that she talks to veterans. And she and I'm just like, well, okay, first of all, Cassandra, because then I start calling you by your real name when you're getting it wrong. You telling us to be vulnerable and courageous like somebody who's went out there to war, which is totally different than our lived experiences. So I think you need to also let people know who were your research participants and frame it correctly. It doesn't apply to everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all. All Because if a minority woman does what you're saying we should do, we're going to be unemployed within two hours max. We are not going to have a job or we're going to be written up. But the dynamics are going to change. We could possibly go to jail if we're doing this in public. It doesn't work for us. But you're encouraging us without a warning label, so to speak. And that bothered me to so many degrees. It it bothered me because I'm like, you're taking what our parents have covered us with to help us get through life. And you're telling women, no, 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 you take that off. You're going to be okay." And it's just like, no, we can't afford to do what you have been afforded to do because of the color of our skin. And it's so dangerous to advise based on your experience because you cannot relate. You can never truly relate 100% to anyone who's in front of you because you have not walked in their shoes. And especially when we are now that we feel that we can have these conversations because it wasn't until very recently that we couldn't even have these conversations. And when we even decided to get to put on the podcast, the discussions that we had to say like, is this the right time? Can we have these conversations, right? It took us a while to even formulate what this was because what might work for me may not work for you. And sometimes this blanket, sometimes the statements or like life is such a la-la land, but it's like, why is a la-la? Well, guess what? It's not a la-la land for me. And even if I apply those principles, I'm not sure la-la land will be in front of me. Maybe I can get my own nuggets. I'm making mine, but that doesn't mean that it's going to work for me. So what you say, it so, it so resonates with everyone 
of us here, but also those who we know listen to us and and have engaged in this larger conversation with ourselves. And it is dangerous. It is dangerous to tell somebody else what, what to do when you're not taking the risk, right? It's very freeing because go do it. Yeah, you're not taking that risk and you won't be held accountable for that risk. Now, that's a good point. You might offer this advice, but you're not the one taking the risk. And something that I want to revisit, too, is about like us not being protected and covered. And that's something that we don't talk about, is that we will go into situations and we we know we're open. We know that we're vulnerable. And our automatic instinct is to, okay, I need to armor up, suit up, like, let me put my guard up. I know what I'm about to go into. You know, some of us are preparing in the car before we enter our job. Because you know when you go in there that there may be some attacks on you that particular day. And so mentally, you want to be ready. But when we look at what Brene Brown is telling people and she's telling you to take off your armor, well, then you're just getting out the car. You're not mentally prepared. Then you're attacked. Well, then you really do start crying. And now the person who got you to take your armor down is saying, oh, hold up now. I'm not comfortable with all these emotions, girlfriend. You're making me feel a little uncomfortable. Ooh, (laughs) yeah. You know, well, you're using some cuss words now, so that's really assertive. And your cuss words might be, I'm just frustrated, and you're not cussing at her. You're just cussing. (laughs) But... Is you're you're all over the place. And so if let's say if it was one of us and we're there, we're just like, girl, calm down. It's not that serious. Well, your counterpart might not see it that way. And all of a sudden, you've offended her. And we have states like Florida that is trying to pass laws about white comfort. And if people feel uncomfortable, we're talking legal issues. So Her ideology is going to get a lot of people messed up if they don't shift their perspective and say, well, maybe I can use this inside of the comfort of my house. But when I go outside, I might need to look at like bell hooks. I need to go pull some other people and, and use what they're telling me to deal with the world. I just think we have to start putting stuff in perspective. And understanding that just because something is put in front of us by the media doesn't mean that it's always good. And I love that because I think that's one of the things that we can say, hey, we got to figure out what works best for ourselves, right? Because I know when I walk in the room, I'm automatically thinking, okay, who can I trust? You know, what can I say? What can I not say? And to your point is always looking around to say, who's actually has my back to say, hey, you know, tone it down because that's not going to be perceived right in this environment. It's not like having a conversation with us here where, okay, you might be upset about something, but all right, let it out and let's just talk about it versus not having that coverage. Well, automatically it's assuming that you're, you know, you're being negative or assuming that you're too passionate about the, the, the point or even assuming that you are just angry. So those are the things that I mean, I at least I tell people is you got to do what works for you. But I, I would also like to understand a little bit of what are some of the things that we can do besides leaving our armor on, right? Because at the end of the day, when we show up, we still got to do something. 
it, it can't be the same way that Brene is saying, but it's we got to do something. Otherwise, we're going to, we run the risk of staying muted in a place where our voice needs to be heard. And I think for us showing up, it does look different for us. Again, I'm 52. I've been in the workforce for over 30 years. I will say this, my armor is always on. And sometimes I'm just kind of like, that is coming and is bouncing off of the armor because I'm really just like, whatever, girl, like you tripping on a whole new level. I just, I'm not letting them bother me. That's because that's my personality. But when you can pierce through my armor and now I'm starting to have some reactions, we have a problem. And so then that problem for me looks like I begin to document what is taking place because if I'm feeling uncomfortable, something is causing that and I'm not crazy. I think a lot of minority women, when we start to feel uncomfortable in a workspace, we think it's just us. And so we tend to ignore it. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting in HR and you're like, well, when was there a problem? What happened? I didn't realize this. And the red flags were there. You just ignored them. I'm like, don't ignore them. Document. If you don't do anything else, you have your little journal, you have a Google Doc, you document. And it's okay to speak up, but it's knowing how to speak up. It's knowing when to speak up. It's knowing who to speak up to. So then that means you need to be strategic in how you approach the situation. I myself will sit down with my tribe and a glass of wine and get all of the what's going to be assertive. I get that out at home with the girlfriends, you know. And then I love that. Yeah, you know. We relate. We relate quite a bit. So when I go in, well, I've gotten all the explicits out. So now you're going to get the calm, cool version, but you're also getting the documented version. So I'm going in with my documentation. I'm not making this up. This is what's going on. How are we going to resolve this issue? I'm a former social worker. And so with that comes documenting. I do it when I find myself in those uncomfortable work situations. And that documentation allowed me to approach that situation from a different angle. It allowed me to be strategic. It allowed me to get my thoughts together. Reading through it also allowed me to see that I wasn't making it up. Like, wow, all of this happened? Oh, girl, you're good. And I think talking it through with someone before you go in, because our courage and vulnerability is going to look different. And, you know, you have to be prepared to walk away and know what heel you're going to die on and what heel you're just going to walk away and be like, it wasn't worth it. And that's what has kept me sane because I have been a person to dig in their heels and say, I'm going to fight. And then I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. I have anxiety. My blood pressure's up. But then, you know, sometimes I just walk away and I'm just like, okay, let them figure it out. I didn't have to learn a lesson from that. They did. You just said something really important, though, that I want I want to hone in, which is it wasn't you, right? It's their learning. It really, in that engagement, it is their learning. In that process, what you're trying to do is offer them, I always talk in terms of distinctions that they didn't have before and that they couldn't necessarily compartmentalize to even address or put a language on it. 
But I remember someone telling me, Rosa, you have to take the emotion and put it on the table, put it aside. It's helped me throughout the years not to take things personally, like in the heat of the moment. You go up and you have to come down really quickly because, and you don't want to stay there because it's going to ruin your day, your weekend. And what? why? What's the point? It wasn't you. And there are layers of what's happening too, because when someone is on the other side and they're learning, it's not comfortable and it's new. And so they're experiencing all these things that it's not your responsibility to manage, but I think it's important to be aware of so that you don't take all that personally, because even if they want to agree with you at the end, if they don't understand what's happening, it's a, a whole nother world going on inside that person's head. Right. And and I agree. I, I'm from the article. Those who disagreed with me, I did have like some that were just like, well, I'm not understanding or, you know, I'm feeling a certain kind of way and I need you to help me to unpack that. And I was just like, sir, sir, it was the article. I'm not getting paid to help you process your feelings and whatever emotions you're going through or however you're even feeling towards me. That's not my responsibility. I'm not going to allow you to make it my responsibility. I had someone say, well, you came on a public forum, so you need to be held accountable. And I said, well, sir, do you hold Brene Brown accountable for half the stuff that she says? Like, are you getting her on social media and saying, oh, well, you need to explain X, Y, and Z to me. And I said, I'm not doing this with you. And I said, and you can get mad and I don't care. Go pay your therapist. That's, that's not my problem, you know? But people try and put you in this box and make it your responsibility. And I'm, my thing is I can get you to a certain point. I'm having the discussion. But when you're projecting your feelings onto me, and I don't know you, I never met you. It was the article that made you feel a certain way. So you need to deal with that, not me. Just two different things. And I had to take a step back because emotionally it started to become a lot, a whole lot. And I was like, okay, I need to take a break. I need to cut the phone off, breathe. And then, you know, I came back and I said, oh, God, they're still here. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize that when you go viral, viral, it doesn't go away for a long, long time. <laughs> well, we feel very privileged that you're still talking about it with us. So thank you. Yes, yes. And, and I don't mind talking about it in, unfortunately, safe spaces. But I had to realize all spaces were not safe spaces. I was asked to be on one podcast, and five minutes before we went on, they muted everything, and they were like, you can't say anything negative about Brene Brown. You can't say it. Well, you know, it's just, well, why am I here? Like, if we're not going to have an honest discussion about this article and her work, why am I here? I was there as a showpiece, and it made me so angry because it was a space that I thought we were going to have a safe conversation. Over 100 people had signed up to be there, and they were just like, yeah, we're not taking that direction, but that was what they had marketed. Yeah, but it goes back to what you said before. It really takes courage, though. This is that good trouble that I like to get into with good people. I commend you all. Like, you know, when you 
sent me the message to be on. And I was just like, oh, they got one of those shows. Okay, then, like, I'm game. Like, <laughs> 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 and that was just the, the email. Then when we had the conversation, I was really like, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> you don't have to sell me. <laughs> Can I tell you? <laughs> we considered the name Good Trouble for the, uh, for the podcast. And I said, well, we cannot take it away from John Lewis, so we won't use it. But we did consider it <laughs> as, a, as a name. Well, y'all are getting into some good trouble. And so everyone is not going to understand what you do. And that's okay. You keep doing it anyway, because those who need to hear these stories, those who need to hear from you, they're going to show up week after week. You are their armor to get through the week. And it's funny because I was going to take it there. And one that actually encourages the armor, but it's an armor that you choose. And every day could be a different armor that you choose to put on. And I think that there's a lot of power because then you're making a conscious choice in terms of how you decide to show up at a given moment in time. And being so present and so real to then make those choices is what is going to make you powerful as a human being as a whole. And there needs to be that sense of, to your point about being strategic, but it's also about being who you want to be and keeping to yourself what you want to keep to yourself. Well, it's about being true to who you are. And so that means that we're all different and we're all unique. You know, everybody has a different kryptonite, but also everyone has a different superpower. And what works for one person may not work for another person. And so that's why I'm very honest. And I tell people, if, if Brene Brown works for you, that's great. But usually the people that I'm hearing say that she works for them, it is not working for them in unsafe spaces like the workplace. She's encouraged a lot of people to go to therapy. But again, I'm like, that's kind of like not what we're talking about either. And so putting it in its proper context and when are you being strong? What situations? What situations require you to have your armor on and to keep it on and to know that I can't be vulnerable right now? And the most courage I can show is to keep this armor on and put some headgear on as I did go through the day. Like, that's it. That's me being courageous. Like, and being okay with that. As we close out, what advice would you give to our listeners who are like listening and like, yes, oh my gosh, she's saying everything that I've been feeling. What would you want to leave them with? My biggest piece of advice is don't doubt yourself. If it doesn't work, take a step back. Like, and not just Brene Brown, anyone that you're reading their work, self-help book, and you're trying to make it fit, and it's not working for your situation, put it down because that is usually an indicator that that person and what they're trying to teach you, that they're not the perfect fit for you. And it's nothing wrong with you. You probably just need to go to another source and see what else is out there. So don't doubt what you're feeling. Don't beat yourself up. And just know that everyone is different. So the way that you show up every day is not going to be the same way that I show up every day. What matters is that we show up. 
and we look good when we do it. So, you know, making sure you're looking fabulous when you're showing up each and every day. But I see just so many people beating themselves up behind these authors and well, it's not working for me because they're not talking to you. They just didn't put the disclaimer at the beginning of the book. That's all that means. Move on. There's nothing wrong with you. Go find someone else and we're all going to be okay. And I think being okay with telling yourself that, that would be my parting words to them. Want to know how breaking the rules can help you level up your career game? Search What Rules Podcast on any social media platform and join our members only group on LinkedIn, where we discuss rule breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a production of Color Forward. The show is produced by me, Elisa Monjadas, with editing and fabulous sound design by Mathar Delion. Visit colorforward.com for more stories, events, and of course, all the episodes of What Rules. I need to create an audiogram of you saying, if you're single and you need to mingle, go to Home Depot. <laughs> you really do. <laughs>